What's good, man? It's your boy Ryan X. I'm here with my guy, Alex. And this is Henny Talks. We appreciate y'all tuning in. Uh, we hope y'all got you some type of glass or some type of drink that you enjoying this week. You gotta have something, or it's not gonna be fun. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, once again, we are not doing any advertisements or endorsements at this point in time, except for black-owned businesses. Uh, except for black-owned businesses. So, if you're a black-owned business, then please contact us, uh, and we will be happy to to work something out. So, uh, thank as long you. As long as that check is right, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just for this first topic, though, man, I know you had a lot of things that were on your mind this week. And, you know, we was talking on text uh, about some ideas. And, and so if you just want to kind of kick it off. Yeah, man. Um, we were kind of talking off mic about uh, the Grammys a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. What, um, I know the, the Grammys are a little bit out of reach now. That was a whole month or so ago. But uh, what did you think about the what do you think about in particular Tyler, uh, Tyler, the creator's like post Grammy uh, speech? I thought it was interesting, man. And I thought it was, you know, me as an artist as well and like a, a fan of hip hop and like I live hip hop pretty much. Mm-hmm. To me, the Grammys is always something that I just don't pay much attention to, to be honest. And I know that artists do deserve their credit whenever you create uh, extremely valuable and influential pieces of art. Like you you deserve that credit. Yeah. And so like kind of what he said in terms of his was more so pop type music, you know, and and uh, kind of something that you were mentioning before we even came on to the show was that, you know, the fact that he got the award for the hip hop category kind of takes away. It takes away from actual artists who are you know, you know, straight list. exactly. Yeah. And there are some good ass rappers out right now. Yeah. And they it, it just takes away some of their validity um, whenever they give Tyler, the creator, that award when he should have actually won, you know, something in a different category. Yeah, I agree, man. Um, I think I think it, it did take away from uh, the, the artists that were like and I was trying to pull up the, the artists that actually were nominated for best rap album. Uh, I think I can get it here, but I think in in essence it, it was taken away from the validity of like me being a rapper, like bar for bar, trying to like essentially bar motherfuckers up, nah. you know. And then this this kid who honestly made an amazing album, yeah. but was uh, it was a pop album. He yeah. rapped. He had a couple rap bars in there. He spit a little bit, but majority of it was pop. Yeah. And for it to be classified as a as a rap album, strictly under the pretense of his skin color, it's like, yeah. that's kind of fucked up. Not only yeah. for him, um, like he was saying, it was kind of like you're giving your little brother the um, unplugged controller, <laughs> but it, it also kind of yeah. like a backhanded uh, disrespect, like slap to me yeah. as like a rapper, um, not me personally, but I'm yeah. saying like, as a, if I'm in that rap category, that's like disrespectful to me as well, like underhandedly, just because... He wasn't supposed to be in this category, and exactly. I worked my ass off to even be nominated here. Mm-hmm. And now you're telling me that somebody who didn't even have an album, who wouldn't even classify his album as a rap album, exactly. is going to win that category? Yeah. That's fucked up. And that's that's the key to me. The last part you just said that he doesn't even like. He himself said that this is not a rap album. So it'd be different if you had like someone who was like who thought that their album was a rap album, but he is clearly saying. My album was not a rap album. It should not be in the rap category. Exactly. And to me, that just like shows how out of touch and how white that the people who run the Grammys are. I mean, to me, it's very similar to the Oscars. Like, I don't pay attention much attention to that stuff at all because every single year is disappointing. Every single year is disrespectful, honestly, to the culture of hip hop. So. Yeah. No, it really is, man. I think. Uh Oh, here, here are the uh, the nominees. It was YBN Corday, The Lost Boy, uh, Twenty One Savage, I Am Greater Than I Was, Championships by Meek Mill, which should have won, and then Revenge of the Dreamers Three by Dreamville. I think, for me, I honestly think Championships should have won out of out of this list. I think Championships definitely should have won that. Tyler should not have won that. Uh, I'm happy YBN Corday got a, a nomination. Um, who was who your favorite artist out of all four of those that got nominated? The ones that you just named? Probably Meek Mill. Out of all those. I like them all because I, I actually, 
I did really fuck with uh, YBN Cordae's like album. Uh, it was wasn't what I was expecting. I like saw you know on Twitter you'll see like his uh, his what you call it uh, like freestyle videos yeah. or whatever. So you'll yeah. see those like going viral and and being rotated. And I thought that was cool. Like, but I still associated him with like those other two niggas who yeah. like suck. So yeah. it was like, it was cool to see him actually like try to bar motherfuckers up. And me, I'm not a lyrical, miracle, spiritual, like, <laughs> I like, I look, you'd be hating that music, but, <laughs> but like the, oh, the shit that he was actually spitting, like the, the content of the album, like the structure of it, like it, it resonated. And I was, I was actually rocking with it. So, but out of, to answer your question, Meek Mill, for sure, for sure. What, I, about, I, uh, what about Dreamville? How did you feel about that project? Didn't listen to it. Not going to lie to you. I didn't. I Bro. didn't. Bro, it just seemed like a... Like, <laughs> I hate... I hate. It's not that I have anything against them, because I fuck with J.I.D. Um, I, I fuck with Boss. I fuck with J. Cole. Like, I fuck with those I fuck with those people. Um, but I think the... I, I hate when a song is packed with like five yeah. motherfuckers yeah. I don't know who especially if I'm trying to, and me I'm a I love getting on new music I love getting on new artists so if you got five people on this one song three of them are new two are familiar how am I like I guess associate the names with the other three people True. and figure out who they are and find their discography is like nice. just give me two people on one song max True. you know True. like I hate that I even hate when uh, established artists put like three, four people on like yeah. uh, on a song. Like uh, Herb came out with a, a album on this past weekend. Yeah. He have, you, did, have you listened to that yet? I did. I did. It's fire. Sure. Um, he put a. He had a song called PTSD. He mm -hmm. put uh, Juice Uzi, World was on there. Yeah, Juice World, Uzi, Chance, and him all on one song. And it's like. That's too much, nigga. Like, yeah. spread that shit out. Like, <laughs> put somebody else on another song. I just, I don't know. I, I think I, I get like anxious listening to so many True. people on one there, song. There were some slaps. I ain't gonna lie on Dreamville on Costa Rica was really? hard. You know what I'm saying? Even Under the Sun, I think that's what it's called. Okay. There's, there's a couple of slaps on there. So, uh, I'll, I'll take your word for it. I'll check it know, out. You know, yeah. at least, know. at least those two. I mean, it's, it's what, 12, 15 songs, something like yeah. that, maybe. So I, w I don't know if I would go through the whole thing, but it's just <laughs> at least those two. But so. that's that's how I consume music, man. I like, I hate, I hate, um, like, when a new album drops. Yeah. Like, I hate, like, shuffle. I hate when people, like, I used to do that all the time. I kick with the homies and, like, you know, put on a new album when it just came out that Friday at the class or something like that. Yeah. And then you sitting there, you drinking, you you chilling, whatever. And then motherfuckers put the album on and they hit shuffle. And it's oh, like, bro, no. I'm gonna smack you. That's disrespectful. That's disrespectful. <laughs> on your first listen, yeah, yeah. you got to do it from top down. Why? Like, why? I would, as an artist, I would feel disrespected in some some degree. Like, I I perfected the order of these songs how Man. I wanted you to hear them, and you just went to 18 Man. off jump. Why? Like that's a that's annoying. I think that's why artists take uh, the features off their um, yeah. off the songs too, because they don't want people to yeah. jump just because yeah. of the feature. Like they want you to hear it all the way through. Yeah. It's interesting. That's, that's how you know you're a hip hop head right there. Cause, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think it's important though. Like, yeah. for instance, anytime Kendrick Lamar drops an album, like for me, immediately it's like. I'm not gonna listen to any of the music until I got like my good headphones like prepared. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I can get home. I'm either smoking a blunt <laughs> or like I'm like sipping on something. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And like it's you're getting ready be, for it exactly to just absorb like the whatever the fuck's finna happen. You yeah. Know? So yeah. No, I yeah. I normally I wouldn't even call myself a hip hop head. I think I'm just like a music buff. I like music yeah. itself. Like I I be I literally get sad, bro, when I get on like the train or the bus and I don't got my headphones. Yeah. I get so sad. Yeah. I'm like, I, now I gotta listen to y'all whining <laughs> and bitch all day. Like this. Is, <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, this it is like be some random shit happening bro, on the train. Too. Yeah, and it'd always be those times where somebody get on yelling yeah. or just like in your face asking you questions because they see you ain't got no headphones that's not an invitation to talk to me bro Man. like that's, <laughs> now i gotta put my hood on and like bob my head yeah. act like i'm listening to something man, man. but um here i i do want to talk about uh something that's been like i feel like it's been like roaming the internet for like a little bit tyler perry right yeah. Yeah. we all know tyler perry we all have some form of admiration or respect for tyler perry 
But I think the reason he's been in uh, talks recently was, one, because he recently opened up his new compound the end of last year, right? Kudos to him. That's huge for black male on this huge compound where huge networks, huge production companies are now using your space um, to produce these movies because you have such a good, you know, studio space. Like, you have uh, such good... Uh, resources available and now you're giving those resources out and I loved his speech about uh, it being formerly owned by confederate soldiers or something like that I mean you know again this is not fact based (laughs) we just be talking but um, I do remember him saying something about like it being owned by like the south or racist or uh, confederate whatever and uh, it now being owned by a black man, I think that's that's huge. That's yeah. legendary, and yeah. I, I would boast about that too. Like yeah. I, I would make sure every single person knows. But what's what's been bothering me recently is the fact that it seems like he's also boasting about the fact that his he's boasting about the the lack of a writer's room that he has. He, we all know Tyler Perry's a showrunner. He has like four or five shows running on multiple networks at any given time. Yeah. I think he also has a, a deal with Netflix and with BET right now going on that he just dropped a movie on BET or on Netflix and like two shows on BET. Yeah. So that's cool. Like he's, he's producing at a high rate, but he's producing. And I think it's wrong to have like such large amounts of resources yeah. and you're only you're the only person writing yeah. you know I feel like that creates like a one sided or one perspective one dimensional yeah one dim- uh, that's the word one dimensional yeah. view of of what you're writing about yeah. that's what we were talking we were joking about off screen is like you always got some dark skinned nigga beating up some yeah. girl and then the light skinned nigga with braids come and yeah. save her <laughs> like is it with the beater on like it's just like come on bro how many times are we gonna run this story, yeah man. how many like, times are we gonna run the same trope it's just yeah. it's getting annoying I felt like he was kind of boasting about like the fact that oh I wrote everything it's like nigga we know and you said uh, I think uh, before we came on the show too you said that he doesn't have very many black people that are working for him or something or no so uh, what I was trying to say was that like his the fact that he doesn't have a writer's room is one thing but it's he also has the ability as a black man and a black like trailblazer to employ black writers to his to his production company yeah. and the fact that you not only won't hire writers but you also are not hiring black people mm-hmm. to help you write these black centered shows yeah. is like what the fuck is going on over here Man. you know it's just like it's a little disheartening it's cool still kudos to him but it's like what do you obviously got to know you're doing something wrong yeah. you know like if if you mean of course it's like a running joke they're like oh that's a that's tyler perry type stuff or or he's i've heard people say like he's bringing the culture down because of like the types of tropes that he runs or the the ideologies that are in his movies and his shows and like that's bringing the taking us back a hundred years shit like that but at the same time he's progressing us for sure but when you when you've the reason it's like people feel like you're holding us back, I think, is because of the one-dimensional aspect of your yeah. shows. Is you don't have any substance. They they lack substance. They lack yeah. they lack dimensions. They lack different perspectives. Yeah. You know, they lack um, like different uh, ways to live life. You know, like yeah. it, you you're talking about this one trope, um, and then and it's always the same one, bro. Too. Always the same one, man. It's it, it's, it's disheartening. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, I remember the very first when I very first started watching Tyler Perry. I was with my parents back back home, and it was the plays. It was like the plays. It was Same. like on VHS yep. type shit, you know. Yep. And that was actually dope. I thought that those were like I those thought were those good. were dope. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So those like, were good. And like those, we was laughing. You know what I'm saying? Like that shit was funny. And the then musicals, the, yeah, like the all musicals, that. and like this is my first time seeing Medea. That shit was funny as hell. So I'm like, yo, this is this is dope. And then I think where it just took that turn was when it became the movies, mm-hmm. when it became the TV shows, mm-hmm. and it just became the same thing over and over again. Excuse me, I think he turned uh, Diary of a Mad Black Woman from a play to a movie. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think so. that was his introduction in the movies. Yeah. I believe. Yeah, and I think he started doing like the family reunion shit and like all that yeah. stuff. But yeah, no, I agree, man. I think. I got I got introduced to Medea. I come from a Christian background too, sure. so like um, Medea was like our shit. You know, yeah. it was like a. I feel like there's there's not many uh, 
Christian friendly comedies out there, right? Yeah. Like a lot of them involve some, you know, some form of like sexual themed or cursing yeah. and you know, Christian like Baptists don't really rock with that, you know. So <laughs> it was it was cool to have like something that you could actually laugh to that was approved to approved by your parents too, you know. It was it yeah. was it was really cool. And I think I yeah, I got introduced to him by the plays as well. And all that all that stuff was dandy and fine and funny Man. and cool. Um, and then Medea, of course, was dope. And then, yeah, when he got, I will say that movie was was good though. Was diary, diary, yeah, diary. That, 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 that one was yeah, good. Yeah, that yeah, one was that good. One. I ain't gonna yeah. knock it. That one was good. But everything else, exactly. <laughs> like everything else, bro. Man. Everything else has been like a downhill. Yeah. But like his money keep going up. So it's yeah. like, why? Okay, if a person like for think about it from his perspective, right? Yeah. If culturally, you th- the culture. Y'all think my my uh, the content is going down on a downward slope, yeah. but my revenue keeps going up. Yeah. Would you turn try to turn that cultural perspective up and then take a risk of your revenue kind of falling because it's like more culturally relevant, yeah. or do you just keep going because your money you eating and everybody well, around you eating? To me, to me, it's always the cultural value what you're what you're offering to the culture is the most important. And I think that's always what's going to have longevity, too. Yeah. I mean, in the long run, you can be making money now if you're making stuff that's just going to sell, even if it includes tropes and uh, and colorism and all the different types of uh, problematic things, I would say, that mm-hmm. happen inside of his films. But longevity comes, I think, from offering act- actual cultural value. So, like, if he was employing lots of different dope, like, screenwriters and, like, different, right, like, black writers who were coming up with, like, cool ass, like, dope ass stories and shit, like, then I think that that he would just have more longevity in terms of, like, people continuing. Like, people would actually want to go see his, it's like a Jordan Peele movie. Like, you know, a Jordan Peele movie. I like what you did there. <laughs> like, the Jordan Peele movies here, you know what I'm saying? Like, it has cultural value. People are, like, excited, like, yeah. on Twitter. This yeah. shit's cracking, like, four weeks before his movies come out. Yeah. And it's because he has so much depth in his films, and he actually offers cultural value in things that haven't been, like, explored before on a mass media landscape. And so I'm, I'm really, I think that that's like where, to me, there's just, like you can, you can take the short, the shortcut, the shortcut is the money, but not the cultural value. Yeah. And I think that in the long run, the people who are going to be remembered, who are going to have good legacies, um, regardless of how much money they make, are going to be the ones you know, who follow that. I think, I think it can be looked at as the opposite though. I think the cultural value could be the shortcut to the money. It's like creating something... Um, that you may not necessarily agree with or resonate with, but you know that the me- the masses will yeah. leads you to the money. You know, like it's like I know that people are going to pick up on this because this is what's happening right now. I know people are going to resonate with this because this is relevant to this group right now. And that's going to propel me toward the millions, Yeah, you know, but like following something that you that you want to do something that you think is relevant to you or to your yeah. life or to what you know and um, have grown up with is not necessarily a shortcut to um, it probably could be looked at as the long road, yeah. you know, but I, I guess it depends on what that culture relevance is and what your perspective is, yeah. is like the determinant of which one is the shortcut, which one is the long road. Yeah. So your point though about Jordan Peele, I think, um, I think he's doing it right for sure. I think he's like he's doing the culture relevance thing. I will say though, I think the only reason that he has the the only reason that he has these buzzes before he has the uh, before the movie comes out is because he takes these popular songs and flip them into some horror movie shit, (laughs) and then the people start, "Oh my god, did you listen to the new Jordan (laughs) Peele shit?" Oh my, he did that with uh, what was it? Us five on it with us. And then he did it with uh, Say My Name, uh, Destiny's Child, with uh, the new Candyman that's coming out. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see that, by the way. I'm, I'm excited, too, man. I think... Yeah. I, but I know I, I hate fucking scary movies, bro. I mean, <laughs> so it's like... It's, it's, it's a love and hate relationship with me and yeah. Jordan Peele because he, he makes... Not, I love the fact that it's a black man making original or readapted horror movies right now. Yeah. I love that shit. Yeah. But 
I hate scary movies, bro. When I was a shorty, I would only watch scary movies on Saturday morning with the blinds up. <laughs> like, the light has to be shining in. I cannot watch a scary movie when it's dark. Man. I tell you, this. when was... Uh, remember Insidious? Yeah, you remember that yeah, movie? Yeah. Bro, Insidious scared the living shit out of me. Yeah. I was uh, I was in my uncle's house, like, out in the burbs. He has this living uh, this living room that has the floor to ceiling windows, yeah. and then behind him is nothing but woods. And this man had all the blinds up, Damn. and it was dark as hell in the room. So we seeing like you, bro. It's, and it's a he glare. Started, he started seeing shit, bro, shit. <laughs> bro. And then the, it was this one scene, and I, I'm sorry to my if this isolates any other listeners, but if you, it's this one scene in the city is where the guy, the lead, one of the leads, he turns his head, and you see like the red face Damn. on the like on the side of him. When I tell you I jumped, Man. boy, I was out my seat, <laughs> like ran to the kitchen type shit. I'm no, nope, y'all, y'all not doing this to me. Man. But I think like in general, I think I wonder if he's if he's doing that, if he's doing like the cultural relevance shortcut thing. Like yeah. I'm gonna just take this super popular song that all these black people know, flip it real quick, and use it as a promo every time. I mean, I think so. At least for me, when I'm when I'm talking about the cultural shortcut i'm talking about like as far as the storylines are concerned and like using storylines and like themes that have been proven to be successful despite what they're actually offering to the culture okay and so to me like have like okay so if i make one for tyler perry for instance if i make one film where you have a dark-skinned abusive ass nigga who's like <laughs> abusive ass nigga who like is just beating up on some lady yeah. and then you have this light skinned nigga come save the day and, and like that works out for you and you, you notice make a lot he of always wearing white too he does he's he always does. either wearing a white tee or a white beater exactly every time and he uh, I mean if so so you're like okay this worked for my first film so hey if I'm gonna take a shortcut I might as well use the same theme again mm-hmm. and it's okay you made another film and but he's just kept doing it over and over <laughs> and over. he never stopped and so to me that's like the, the cultural shortcut where I yeah. think with Jordan Peele yeah. I think he's like what he's doing to me has actually never been like the themes and like the way he's playing on horror films and like using social commentary inside of that like I feel like that's uh, unexplored territory as far as like uh, mainstream like film uh, that that's been written by a black screenwriter that's just like never been done before. What was his name of his first movie? Get Out. Yeah, Get Out. Do you think that Get Out was a part of that trend of like black people versus cop movies, or do you think that that trend came after that movie? Because remember, uh, it, I feel like after. Or maybe even during, I feel like there was a time period, and it's still happening, because I think, like, uh, what, Queen and Slim just came out, Um, some other, it was, like, two other movies last year that came out that had to do with police versus black people or something like that. Like, these movies keep coming, you know, like, where it's just, like, I feel like they're monetizing that black plight, like, the the fact that we are getting murdered by police. It feels like they're monetizing that, in a a sense. And some people can argue, like, oh, it's just, it's art mimicking life or right. like whatever the case may be but it just feels like a monetization of it it's yeah, like yeah. I, I know like as a white executive I know black people gonna come see this because yeah. I know they know somebody that's going through this or they yeah. saw this on the news or they care about XYZ yeah. you know so I was I'm asking like do you think that the Jordan Peele uh, first movie was that a part of that wave or was that the beginning of the inception of that wave I think that it- Especially in terms of like the monetization aspect, just because I can, I'm gonna kind of tie the two together. Like, I think that it just kind of depends on how the story is told. Because if there's like real depth and like consciousness that's being uh, communicated in, in a film, then I think that it's actually positive in terms of like what it's doing for the watch, like the people that are watching it, the audience. Yeah. If it's not that deep, then I would say that it's more monetization. Uh, but in terms of Jordan Peele, I think that to me, his like Get Out, for instance, I think that the police was like one of the themes, but I don't see it as kind of like the overarching theme of the entire uh, movie. And I thought okay. that there, I, I thought that there was like 
white liberals like that was like one of the funnier yeah, parts of yeah, it yeah, there's yeah. like a lot of like underlying type themes and stuff so and i also, I also think it just kind of has to do with the reality like kind of like you were saying like the reality like the reality is now that it's becoming more prevalent to like see police brutality happening and so i kind of do think that the film writers and screenwriters are just going to kind of reflect what's just happening like what's more visible in society now but at the same bro at the same time i think that they they are able to create these multifaceted white movies yeah. but all the black movies have to do with some type of police brutality yeah, and yeah. death yeah i agree with that bro what like <laughs> we got we got white people going into mars and battling Man. aliens and you and got that would a be spaceship cold. that would be cold to have bro, some black people do let's that see that, a nigga man. in space <laughs> when's the have we Man. facts okay have we seen a nigga in space in a movie yet uh sager have you seen any uh no, no, I'm gonna just say no, okay? Yeah, exactly. It fucks you up. Name, hey, respond. <laughs> name, name, if you can name a nigga in space, I, man, like, I, I feel like I, I agree with what you're saying, though. It's like, of course, like, the, the art, uh, the writers are gonna reflect what's going on currently, right? Like, they're yeah. gonna reflect what they know and what's, what they're absorbing, what they're intaking, yeah. and that's gonna reflect what they output. But at the same time, is that if if we have the ability for white writers, these white showrunners or movie makers, producers, executive producers, whatever, if they have the the ability to create these multifaceted, multi-dimensional characters for white characters, for these white movies, then why is that not happening for black movies as well? Why yeah. why are the only movies that are getting run that are getting um, pushed out there? Yeah having to do with some type of trauma. Yeah. It was like, it's like they want to sell us back our trauma. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. But I will say, and, and we don't got to talk about it too much, but I will say kudos to Issa Rae because she has two movies coming out that have to do. One is like a romantic comedy and the other is like just a romantic movie yeah. and with my guy, Lakeith Stanfield. Hey, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, that, I think it's like the photo, the photograph or some shit like that. Yeah. The photographer. I think it's I the think photograph. they kissed in the trailer. Yeah, I think I so. Think I think so. Oh, shit. Oh, that, that started Ryan up right there. You hear <laughs> he said, "Oh shit!" I said, oh, "I ain't never seen Issa Rae and uh, Lakeith." And, you know, bro, hey, hey that's my nigga. But um, no, I, I do kudos I, kudos to her. I give her her flowers because that's like that's huge. That it yeah. that has the both the movie or the I'll, I'll at least speak for the two black leads movie, the yeah. photograph I think it's called yeah. with Lakeith Stanfield and Issa Rae yeah. came out on Valentine's Day. That has nothing to do with trauma. Well. Yeah. Yes, it does. It has nothing to do with police brutality. Yeah. I think the synopsis of it is like her going back to like, uh, I think it's both of them dealing with like how their parents found love or dealt with love or taught love, something like that. So it's like yeah. a different form of trauma. Not really. But yeah. like, I love the fact that it's like something different. Like it's, this is a movie that you would normally see two white characters play, yeah. but we got two black people. And I love that shit. Yeah. I wish you could have more of that. You have writers like Issa Rae, like Jordan Peele, like Tyler Perry, like uh, Ava DuVernay, like yeah. uh, what's, what's the woman name who made the shy? Um, can't remember what's her name uh damn we need somebody looking up shit yeah man i, th I think that there's though i think uh while you're looking that up i see like three reasons to why why I, lena rafe that's yeah, right. yeah 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 i think that there's three reasons though like why like, i think number one is because the people who approve the movies are old white men kind of like you were saying and so mm -hmm. They only want certain messages to get out, which police brutality clearly or slavery, like oh my <laughs> it God. has to be one of those two. Probably it's trauma, bro. Yeah, it's trauma. So like it has to be one of those two to get approved. I think that that's one of the reasons. The second reason, um, I think, is basically that. Uh, damn, straight forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, bro. Hold up, hold up, I'm uh, but I think um, it was I'm just, Lena. I'm Ray. just gonna cut that. Yeah, it was Lena. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was Lena. It was Lena Wave. That was the name I was thinking of. And I think like of having having all those black writers. I think that we could do more than capitalize on our trauma. 
you know i think i think there's so many creatives out there There there's so many black stories to be told that don't have to do with trauma that could be blockbusters definitely that could be culturally impacting pieces Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't necessarily always have to be with black trauma it doesn't have to be with the black um, the black man being down and and these white people ain't feeling me and you yeah. know like it don't always have to be about that bro like yeah. we can we have more we're multi-dimensional beings like yeah. we don't have it, the black man isn't just about oppressing or getting oppressed Oppress, by the yeah. man you know what I'm saying that, that, that actually reminds me um, you know I, I, I definitely understand that I think that that's like one of the uh bad parts about what's happening in terms of black film uh but to me i feel like kind of the first step like we are just as as sad as it is as a reality we are like just now with like jordan peele with Issa ray like we're just now being able to like have our stories told by us Mm. on a mass scale and so i think that the first step in a sense, is literally just representation of our actual narratives told by us. And we've never had a chance before to, like, tell our own stories. And, like, a lot of our story is plight. A lot of our story is trauma. A lot of, a lot of our story is overcoming oppression. Mm-hmm. It's, like, clearly, like, what you were saying, definitely in terms of, like, we are much, much more and more multifaceted. We're deeper. We have, we're more imaginative. Like, we have so much more to offer to the creative arts in terms of film than just police brutality and slavery. But I do think that that it's important for some of those stories to be told. But I also think, um, like, like you were saying, like, I think that the next step now, we are, we're past the police brutality. People know about police brutality, not past it, but in terms of, like, telling that story in film. I think that that story has kind of been told and, and that now... Uh, we have an opportunity to like expand. Like we should be having niggas in space at this point. Like, bro, you know, I think that that type of shit would really be that dope. Would be bro, dope. Like, we, we imagine, can expand now. Imagine a nigga Star Trek, man. Bro, what, man? Put a little, you know, put some, put some hydraulics on the spaceship. <laughs> get that shit bumping. That motherfucker bumping, bro. bro. You know what I'm saying? Man. All the aliens gonna rock with us because uh-huh. we we just cool. Man, we, we ain't the white man just trying to take over your shit. And exactly. Put a little flag on here. We chilling. We, we chill on shit. With nothing. Yeah, right. that's what niggas, niggas be traveling throughout the galaxy. Bro, type you shit. know what I'm saying? Smoking we just and blunts in smoking. the No, nah, man, we 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 pushing so many stereotypes. Right now. <laughs> 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 we pushing so many stereotypes. I mean, but, but, <laughs> but bro, it would be tough though. It would be. Tough, it would be. It can't crash into nothing. We in space. You know what I'm saying? The niggas can swerve. Bro, we drinking. We doing whatever. We doing little like little roundy rounds, whatever them shits man. called. But um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, I think we, uh, I think the, those stories are some of those stories are important to be told. I just think yeah. we had enough. Yeah, that's that's the only thing. It's I'm time. Saying. It's yeah, time. It's to like expand. okay, we got it. Yeah. We we got it. Yeah. Like we understand. But oh, that's what it was. It was uh, um, it was um, it was a movie last year that came out. Uh, a black woman. It was about the body cams. Do you remember that? No. It was a it was a black woman. I think she was a cop, and it was like she had a body cam on, and she saw like four white people kill a black boy. Wow. Four white cops kill a black boy, and she like had the body cam on her, and they were like, "Oh, get the body cam so she can't snitch." So it's like wow. her word against ours because we white yeah. type shit. And she had like the whole movie was her trying to get back to police station with the body cam. Yeah. And I was just like, bro, again. Man. Again, about white people killing black people. It's man, like we it, just have to constantly watch ourselves get bro, killed on TV, like, man, on movies. Can we think of something man. else? Like, is there anything else that could be done? Because I remember, uh, I, I was gonna say, I remember, can't remember. It was like a movie on a, like some type of revolution. I can't remember which specific movie. I was talking to my cousin though. And he was like, actually, it was the one I think maybe Michael B. Jordan might have been in it or something like that. That was I know uh, what movie you're talking about. It wasn't Michael B. Uh, Jordan though. It was uh, what the fuck was the name? What was the name uh, of that movie? Uh, no, not Fruit. Was it Fruitvale? It wasn't Fruitvale Station. Nah, it was nah, like, nah, nah. It was, it was like, like a, a, it was like a timepiece, right? Uh, yeah, it was like a revol- like a straight revolution, like yeah. slave revolt. Yeah, type yeah, yeah, shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was? You mean the 
birth of birth a of nation. nation. Birth of a nation. That's yes, what it yes, was. Yes. And so I'm talking to yeah. my, I'm straight talking to my cousin, and he's like, I'm, he's like, first off, I'm not gonna go see that movie. Why? He's like, I can tell you what's gonna happen. That's fine. What's gonna happen is ninety percent of the movie is Nate gonna Parker. be Nate Parker. Yeah, Nate Parker. Nate Parker. Nate Parker. He's gonna, he said, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. 90% of the movie is black people are going to be getting their ass whooped. Black people are going to be getting whipped and everything else, ass beating bricks to the head, everything. And then the last five minutes, you're going to see, then you're finally going to see, and, it's, and they're probably not even going to show the actual violence on the screen where the black people are beating up the white people. They're probably not even going to show that part on the screen. Mm -hmm. And then that's going to be maybe the last 10 minutes of the movie. And mm -hmm. I literally watched the movie, and that's exactly what this happened. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly I think, what I happened. Think they said, uh, I think they said Nate, Park, uh, Nate Parker's character died. They were like putting words up, and they're yeah. like, yeah, he died or some shit. And, but the revolt kept going. Yeah. They're like, it got rebirthed. It was just Man. like a... It was a whole thing. But yeah, it, you know what's funny? It was a whole bunch of drama around that movie too. Yeah. Like people were saying that he wasn't supporting of like the black female community yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. I it think was, he actually had like a, a rape case, I think, or something. Oh, that. was that what it was? Yeah, yeah. Damn. Yeah. I guess fuck Nick Parker then. Nah. But um, yeah. No, uh, I bro, I, it, it happens time and time again. It's like over and over and over and over. It's just like every year we got a new yeah. surgence of some type of black trauma being sold to us and it would be nice to have niggas in space man that's what i'm that's, saying I, hey somebody make that movie exactly. I, we, hey, we, we release we, rights we, we gonna you know we gonna make that here uh oh word yeah the, we got it niggas <laughs> in space bro that would be such a dope movie man just niggas traveling around yeah amazing but speaking of, i know we talked about uh the grammys speaking of hip-hop you know, there's been a lot of events happening in this past week. Lil Uzi released his album. Uh, we, we could probably get to that. We could probably get to that. But um, eternal take. Yeah, that motherfucker was was dope. Um, but Meg the Stallion, Meg the Stallion. A lot of people are talking about uh, this situation that she's had with her label. Uh, Jay Prince spoke uh, spoke out recently and, and kind of contradicted what she was saying. Do you have an opinion on this? And kind of just what's your take on uh, not only Meg the Stallion's situation, but just uh, artists in general and kind of their contractual situations. Um. So I'm not too familiar with like contract law yeah right so i can't and i don't think we know the deep the all the detail workings of meg the science uh deal with 1501 yeah so I, I don't think we can speak too heavily on it but as a from a consumer standpoint and opinion base i think it it makes sense for so backstory like what you were saying that like she um she was speaking out recently uh, in regards to her her deal that she had with her production company, 1501, that's ran by, his name escapes me, but he's a ex-MLB uh, player. Um, he has his production company called 1501. They made a deal with, they signed Megan Thee Stallion and made a deal with 300 Entertainment, which the production company and Megan Thee Stallion are now signed to, been signed to for years. Yep. But what what came of it is Megan or Meg Thee Stallion recently signed a management deal with Rock Nation. Rock Nation supplied her with lawyers, road managers, managers, like all these these different uh, aspects of a business that she probably wasn't aware that she needed. Yep. Signed with them and her lawyers took a second look at her contract. Said that, you know, a couple things are a little bit one-sided here and I don't think this is fair. So let's talk about renegotiation. Brought it up to her, uh, the label head, 1501, and told him, like, yo, like, uh, I just think we need to renegotiate this. And he said no. <laughs> he said, he was like, no, like, I think this is fair. I think we good. And I think, you know, whatever happened, whatever happened, she got a restraint, a temporary, what's called a temporary restraining order on him, uh, which allowed her to release music. Um, why he was trying to I guess he, they, she was saying that he was trying to stop her from releasing music so she got a temporary restraining order which Nolan voids whatever he was trying to do and allows her to release music so this past Friday she released Sugar I think uh, in general I think I think there's there's two sides to every story right yeah. I think from her side of the story I think it, yes it, I noticed that I'm a, a nationwide kind of want I don't think she's a worldwide phenomenon, but yeah. I think she's a 
Western phenomenon. Yeah, for sure. You know, so like uh, Europe, Canada, Central or the South America, U.S. like whatever. I think she's a Western phenomenon for sure. I think realizing that you're like, well, I deserve more than what I signed when I was back in Houston. You know what I'm saying? Like, and even like this, my management deal is telling me that based on my marketplace value, I deserve a little bit more. So I can understand from her perspective of like, okay, we need to renegotiate this because this this not really the numbers not really to my liking. I'm bringing you money regardless. I just need to make sure I'm eating more off this, right? But from a business perspective, looking at it, I think if I think her contract was for a four album deal, and again, this is not wow. fact based or something like that. Four album if deal. It is four albums. Wow, that's pretty crazy. Guess how many albums Megan Thee Stallion's released? Zero. Thank you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, Zero. A, a, from a business perspective, you want to renegotiate what you ain't done? Yeah. I you put out mixtapes, yeah. and there may be some more. Um, like, like I said, we're not familiar with her contract, so there may be some more into her contract that we don't are not familiar with as far yeah. as how mixtapes align with her albums or what gets classified as what. Yeah. But she's released, I think this is the third mixtape. She had like the Tina Snow, the Fever, and then this is Sugar. So like three mixtapes, right? Yeah. And you haven't put out one album yet. What are we need? What are we renegotiating? Yeah. You haven't you haven't done anything yet. Yeah. Like you've put out mixtapes on streaming platforms, and that's cool. What you probably should have did as an artist and a business Just standpoint talk, is made them an EP, made them like fucking EP, made yeah. them albums, yeah. and now you would have one more of the mixtape slash albums to put yeah. out, and you could renegotiate that like off rip. Even yeah. if you did, even if you classified the first two as albums. Yeah. Halfway through your contract is up. Now we can renegotiate because my marketplace value is greater than what we started with. So now I should have a little bit more pool. And if you want me to resign with you, it's time to renegotiate. But from a business standpoint, from an executive standpoint, if we put these parameters in front of you and you have not fulfilled these parameters, what are we renegotiating? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think that I definitely for sure see that perspective because, um, I mean, you do have to put if you if you say you're going to be on the contract for four albums, you have to at least produce some type of value to the business. But but a big but here, I think from uh, from pun intended. (laughs) 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 But from from an economic perspective, when you're talking about. Who Meg the Stallion is now compared to when she signed that deal? Now she's one of the most influential people in the United States. Literally. That's a big statement. Culturally. Culturally, she is one of the most I mean, who who female rappers? Who's better than who's who's more Nicki I mean you Minaj. got Cardi B. Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj is not more popping than Meg the Stallion right now. Are you shitting me? She's not. Oh my God. She's not. I'm sorry. You finna have Nicki Minaj she's stands not. all in the comments. <laughs> Bro, they are like. She's not more. I mean, Nick, Nicki is just not as culturally relevant. I mean, she has, as, as far as legacy is concerned. Bro, I don't. I, I, no, hey, bro, just hear me out. That hear is me Ryan Sorrell. Hey, hey, hear me out. Hear that me is out. Not Alex. Hear me out, though. Just hear me. That's like saying this. That's like saying Jay Z is not right now as culturally relevant as like the baby or a little baby. Culturally relevant, I'm not saying like, when, I, when I'm comparing cultural relevancy, I'm not saying something like Jay-Z hasn't contributed or Nicki Minaj hasn't contributed all these things to the game. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying right in this very moment, like who are the kids? Like even me and you on our very first podcast back in the day, you was always like, who the kids listening to? That's true. The kids okay. ain't listening to Jay-Z right now. Yes, they and, are. And, and, no, they're really not. <laughs> yes, they so, are. I don't think they are. Bro, they, they are. They are. They are. Yeah, maybe, they, maybe I'm just out of touch. I don't know. But I think the baby, little baby, like these kinds of... You know, as an old head, these kinds of cats, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> these young cats, these young whippersnappers, you know. But I think that, like, that's, I, I think Meg Thee Stallion really does, like, that's why she wants to reevaluate it because she sees her cultural relevancy, and cultural relevancy to me can be translated into economic value. Like, that's something Kanye talks about all the time. Like, as an artist, your cultural like value and and your ideas are your currency like creators don't have 
money like rich people do, but they have the ideas and like be and, and the cultural influence is something that should be economic value. And so I think that that's the reason that she like wants to uh, renegotiate. But but at the same time, like you were saying, you still got to be able to produce. You got to be able to produce because who knows right now she could be the hottest thing. She is the hottest thing right now. But by next year, if you can't produce albums, if you can't produce bodies of work, could be gone. You could be gone, and we've seen it happen. We've seen it happen time and time yeah. again. But I will. I will, to your point, I agree. I think as far as f- like, um, I, I don't want to use the word female, but like women rappers, yeah, right? I yeah. think we have. Um, uh, what's her name? Nokia. What's what's her what's her rap name? Nokia something. Uh, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember. Is it just Nokia? can't remember she put out two she just put out like two albums that's what like one um like two i think it was like a side and a b-side but she put them out separately princess nokia that's yeah, what it is yeah. princess nokia yeah. so we got princess nokia we got doja cat we got hey, doja uh, hard too, she's hard bro she's yeah. hard she be getting she be going crazy yeah. so we got doja cat we got princess nokia we got meg the stallion we got rico nasty we got um, Cardi, you got put Cardi. Cardi yeah, you got to put Cardi in there, I guess. But you know, whoa, whoa, whoa! Why are you gonna do her like that? But bro? we got, we got, we of all these, I would put Cardi first. Then I would put Meg Thee Stallion. Then I'll put like Doja Cat. Then yeah. I'll put um, uh, like Rico Nasty or something like that, yeah, like right yeah, underneath yeah. her. So I guess marketplace value, marketplace relevance. I can understand it, but. We talking numbers here, bro. Like your Instagram followers do not determine the amount of album sales you have. I mean, but they do determine your economic value. Like your to Instagram, what extent though? Advertising, so, but uh, advertising does not. But okay, of people, are people there to listen to your music, or are they there to watch you shake your ass, or are they there to watch you They're see there you for smile, everything. or are they there to for you to for you to make them laugh? Are, you know what I'm saying? Like yep. they're oh, we forgot City Girls too. True. But like of of what piece are they there for? You know what I'm saying? I think I think for women rappers it's probably a little bit harder to make sure that people are there for your music than your looks or than your antics. I, I, or think, I feel like it's harder for them because I feel like yeah. people like require so much more of them than they do like a male rapper. Yeah. So I think like that's why I say I don't think your followers are necessarily Equal to the amount of like album sales you have, and that goes for like male rappers as well. It's not, your yeah. followers, the people that are watching you, are not the amount of people that are listening to you. Yeah, that doesn't it doesn't equate all the I, time. But, but the thing, I think the thing I think is most rappers don't even make that much money from their actual selling of albums. No, exactly. it comes from doing shows. It comes from endorsements. It comes from advertising deals, but your your sale your album sales determine all that. Like if you I, are I a higher that. if you are higher bro what if you are a higher selling uh, artist, yeah. like you have more pull in that room of those executives to get that Sprite deal to get that I, I Puma think, deal. I think it could be the other way around. Like I no. think I mean that's that's to me. So for instance, for instance, Joe Budden recently said that ASAP Rocky is a cultural icon. But he's not one of the greatest rappers to to be in the game right now. And that that statement to me is kind of a testament to the idea that rather like the old model is you have to be the best rapper and then you can take that that rap skill and that rap talent Mm -hmm. and, and use it to get cultural other cultural avenues. But now with the rise of Instagram, with the rise of being an influencer, you can take your cultural value and your cultural influence and use that to get like it doesn't strictly have to be like you being the best rapper ever and that's the only way you're going to make money or the only way that you can do other stuff but the ASAP Rockies but that speaks to the point I was trying to make about what uh what what the followers of the the women rappers like equate to it's not yeah. just always those people that are here to listen to your music yeah. they're here to be entertained in some way form or fashion yeah. right yeah. so that's what that's what ASAP Rocky is right he has that culture relevance he is a cultural icon ASAP yeah. Rocky started with the numbers though he started with the music the music is what propelled him to have leverage in those deals 
are in those rooms with those executives to get those deals, to be the face of Dior, you know, to be on magazine covers, to be a model. I, I don't know if it was exclusively to, the music, though. I, I think the music propelled. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I can, I can that's say what, that. I can that's, say that. That's the point. It's like the music propelled. And if yeah. if the being able to sell those albums, being able to, to say, but like, has, I has released. Has sold that many albums? Yeah. 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 ASAP Rocky. I mean, we gonna have to look at that, bro. I just, what? Let, let's look because I don't but know. But ASAP. But even if even if ASAP Rocky didn't sell that many albums himself, he had the ASAP gang or whatever the, the I mean, collective. That, but that's like, not. I mean, how many people are buying ASAP Ferg? To me, is a great artist. But how many people? How many albums is he selling? That's why he's not that culturally relevant. I but don't know. I, man. I agree. I, know. I I love I love uh, ASAP Rocky, but I think or I love ASAP Ferg, but I think his culture of relevance is not is nowhere near ASAP Rocky's. That's not I mean, even but, but, like but a hot take. But, but you just that's like you were literally just saying that ASAP has the other like he has the ASAP brand. But I'm yeah, like no, he as has the ASAP brand. He, who is selling records? He has the brand, but the brand is not that one person. So like it's ASAP Nas, ASAP Twelve, ASAP Ferg, like all those. All those people together, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like that collective, that brand, they are making moves as well. You know what but I'm saying? But they're not so selling that many records, though. Combined, they are. I don't, I don't, I don't know who's bought. Okay, long ASAP. live, long live ASAP had over. I think these are wrong. This, is wrong. <laughs> this looks wrong. Bro, they just stop at a million. They just stop at a million. <laughs> Like what the I don't understand what this is. Yeah, testing sold testing did bad. Testing sold like yeah. five hundred thousand and it was released two years ago. Uh Long Live ASAP, I think that was his first album. I sold over a million. And then at long last ASAP uh sold over a million too. But they only stop at a million. You know what I'm saying? Like True. they they don't True. give you the full numbers. But, but regardless, I, I, I don't think that they're selling that many. Not that they're not good artists, because I think ASAP is like as far as our generation, he's definitely one of the most influential artists of our generation culturally. But selling records, I just don't think that he. I mean, if you're talking about selling records post Malone, you know what I'm saying? But like, this is this is the point here, right? Think his first album, yeah. Long Live ASAP, sold over a million records. Yeah, which was hard to do 2013. Somewhat difficult. Then a lot, a lot more difficult than it is today. Yeah, right. That was his focus in 2013, was the music. The music is what propelled him into 2015 or 2016, being able to, whatever that was, to be able to be the face of Dior or whatever he was. Yeah. Um, to be, like, creative director of, like, some other... Like, he's had a lot of titles. And, of course, I'm not getting this shit correctly right now. Yeah. But he had a lot of titles for a lot of different companies and a lot of different spaces yeah. because the music was there. Because the music provided him culture irrelevance. Yeah. And for it to, to just... Go back to the point with Meg Thee Stallion. She doesn't have, like, you haven't produced yet. She, But I think that's the thing I think she has. I think the game has changed to have less of a focus on album sales and have more of a focus on streams and singles. Culturally. Sure. Yes. Culturally. Yeah. Like, the the fact that, uh, and we can all see that. Like, she's, yeah. you're making money now. You have, uh, you're, you're doing interviews. You're doing TV. You're doing, your music videos are getting in the millions. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're, you're taking off astronomically. Yeah. But from a business perspective, from a label perspective, I am not renegotiating with you. If you have not delivered numbers wise, your cultural relevance, your cultural relevance has has skyrocketed. We are in the black. We not losing money. That's cool. That is right? numbers wise to me. I'm not that. Gonna lie. That's cool. But if the contract <laughs> says. The contract. Yeah, okay, okay. If we're going back to the contract. The contract. Okay, then Nigga, then, what else are we talking about? I mean, I mean, we got to be thing. on the contract. We, 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 we have we to do, talk. We do, but if we're talking about renegotiation because of a change in career valuation, then in that situation. You have to, you have to <laughs> deliver on the contract first. That's like, that's like you getting a job, right? Yeah. You're getting a nine to five job and then. Well, uh, they they sign or you you basically you're signing a quote unquote a three sixty deal. You know they got yeah. you at that point, yeah. but you you sign for a, a promised sum of money for the entire year, right? Yeah. And then you like the the weekend before you start the job, 
you say, you know what, I'm not coming in on Monday because I want to renegotiate terms. No, that's not. That's not a. Similar, Bro, how is that, that not is the not, same? No, no, no. How no, is no, that no, not no. the same? Hey, I, I, okay, so using your using your analogy, here's how I would shift it to make it more parallel to realistically parallel to what her situation is. That's not realistic. I, I don't think so because that's saying she has not done a thing. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> you just said she has not done anything, and she's trying to skip the first day. <laughs> like, here's the, the, here's the, a, a closer parallel would be if she's been working for the company for a year and she's been the the highest performing employee. And then, but even though she signed a contract that she was going to work for them for three years, that she, I'm, I'm missing one piece, which is just the the albums here. But but she's still being it's, the the, most it's, it's not because she's still the highest performing employee. I mean, she's the highest performing one of the highest performing artists in the game right now. But she hasn't worked on and keeping with the analogy, right? She hasn't yeah. worked on no projects. She hasn't worked on a damn thing. She's just been doing know. a bunch of trainings. No, she's, a, she's gotten the high, bro. She's gotten the highest score on every training, right? She, she did like six trainings in a row. She's killing that shit. She got a certification. She good. But she ain't worked yeah. on a single project yet. And then she the comes to you. Come she projects. comes to you. She comes to you uh, uh, six months into her into her uh, work career or whatever and yeah. says, you know what? I need we need to renegotiate these terms. I need f- at least twenty thousand dollars more a year because this ain't working. And you like True. what the fuck have you done? You did some trainings, no, but, you got, but here's you, the thing: you got you Putting built, out you songs. built up, you built up your familiarity with what we do here. You haven't done Man. anything. But to see, to see, to say that about Meg The Stallion, Meg, the most one of the most culturally influential artists in the world. In okay. the world. All right. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, in Let's, the United States. Thank you. Okay, domestic. We'll keep it, we'll keep it, we'll keep it domestic. All right. You got a crush. For real. I mean, she's tough. Okay, she's, sometimes I might use some hyperboles. But. Okay, one of the most influential artists in the United States. Okay. It's impossible to say that she has not done anything because right now the hip-hop is like the game has shifted it's not as much about album sales anymore like album sales are more so for building like loyal audiences it's like more so for solidifying yourself like Kendrick Lamar is somebody who we look to to provide high quality albums Drake is somebody we look to the rest of the people in the game we're just not like the baby like his album is good but longevity wise like it just doesn't have that same value as like somebody like Kendrick Lamar where you're going to go back 10 years from now and like still be learning stuff from it so I think albums like from a hip-hop perspective in terms of like their cultural importance I think that that's where they're important but like in terms of actual revenue and like where economically hip-hop is moving towards I think it's moving towards streams and moving towards like uh singles that are successful yeah i think uh, streams is is how albums get sold now but i think i i I don't think the longevity piece that you were speaking of is because the artists aren't trying to create a long like a uh an album a body of work that's not going to live long i think it's just that microwave society of us like consuming something in a day and then moving on to the next album like i was just telling i was just telling somebody the other day like we every week every friday we get like six new albums that come yeah. out and then you have to like listen to those six new albums from those six people that you like before the next six drop in that next week you know what i'm saying yeah. so it's like you're forced to kind of hyper consume music or hyper consume content at a, at a higher rate than you normally would yeah. and so i don't i don't think that that's their excuse me i don't think that that's the artist is doing for it not being a culture cult what am I trying to say? Like culturally relevant or long standing album. I don't yeah. think it's there. I don't think that's what they intended on, but that's just how people consume music. So when you have artists like Drake and Kendrick Lamar, to your point, I don't I don't think that I don't think their process is any different from uh, the babies or Lil Baby or Uzi Vert or I don't think their process is any different. I just think what we hold at a higher regard than the rest is those people up there. So we're listening to those a lot longer. I don't know, though, because I didn't even listen to Saba, for instance. 
From Chicago? Yeah, from Chicago. Like, yeah. I didn't even listen Good to artists. him before Care For Me, but that's like probably really? one of my, Yeah, I didn't. I just didn't at all because like, I, wow. I heard like some songs off Bucket List. Yeah, Bucket but, List is great. Yeah, yeah. But I definitely just like, didn't pay much attention to him at the time mm-hmm. until Care For Me dropped, and I just listened to it. And I'm, I just like, listened to that straight for like two, three months. Mm-hmm. Just like that was... And like still, that's probably one of my favorite albums of like the last five years. Mm-hmm. And I had never even heard of him before. So I think that the albums that, that do have that quality, that like longevity quality to them, it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody that's like already at the top or somebody that I'm already or we're already paying attention to. I think it just has to have that essence to it. So... Uh, I agree to disagree. We, we, yeah, we might not agree on that one. Um, but that's okay. I think I, I still, to, to finish the point, I do think that Megan Desai, she or Meg Desai, and I think like it, it makes sense why she wants to renegotiate. I just think it's premature. Yeah. That's all. Uh, this last topic here before we go ahead and get out of here. Um, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about the coronavirus. I know that this, yeah, this, this heard, shit's been going this crazy. Nigga Ryan got that corona, so I might like, have yeah, you, you never know. You know, you know, we hope we hope uh, everybody that that's re- dealing with that right now is uh, continuing to be safe. Yeah, and, I think um, this nigga coughing. I think <laughs> I think uh, I think. I do hope that people are being safe out there. Wash your hands, you know, stop kissing random people. Man. You know, put your hands that, in your pocket. That's at all times. At all times. <laughs> <laughs> These are just things you should live by. <laughs> Keep your hands in your pockets, you know, Man. stop touching public railings. Yeah. Wash your hands. Actually wash your hands. Man, 20 seconds. 20 bro, seconds. 20, at least 20 seconds. You know what's crazy is like... Um, it's crazy going into like a, a men's public bathroom and seeing men walk out without washing their hands. While you standing right oh, there. Oh my God. Disrespectful. <laughs> You're like, no shame at all. No I'm shame. Just like, you just touched the handle, bro. Man. You just touched your whole dick and then touched the handle. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Man. You got piss on your hand. Go wash yeah. your hands. People are disgusting, so be safe out there. I, I straight um, have seen... I've been standing there washing my hands. Yeah. And somebody going to go to the urinal, pee, and walk out. Look at me. <laughs> just look at me and just walk out. I'm like, gee, maybe if I wasn't in here, then still problematic. But, gee, I'm right here. Like, you don't got no I see shame, you. bro. Like, I see you. I see on, you just man. leave. Like, come on, bro. Like, Crazy. You, let's, let's be smart out here, man. Don't, yeah, don't stop kissing. You know what's funny? I saw um I saw a I saw a tweet that had uh it was a a little girl a little white girl I will say it was a little white girl she was like licking the railing like oh, back of, it was like they were outside at like some field or something or like some public place yeah. and she was like licking this railing like back and forth back and forth <laughs> and this dude was like I ain't gonna say it but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> 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 Bro, I was dying. But no, for real. In all seriousness, be safe out there. It is spreading, I think, um, a a lot quicker. Here, I wanted to ask you, though. Do you think the coronavirus is like kind of like a more, uh, I guess, updated version of what that that swine flu epidemic was? Uh, I don't. I don't think it is because I've actually just been doing some research. Not what it is, but I mean how the public is perceiving it. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, whether it's the bird flu, swine flu, Bird SARS, flu, I forgot about the bird flu. Like, we have all, it's been a, a lot of, like, almost every three years or so, it's like, something. something. But in terms of, like, the the actual, like, World Health Organization, CDC, and the doctors who are working on um, the, whatever it's called, the, uh, what's the... Cure? Yeah, the cure. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the the vaccine. That's the what vaccine. That's the word I was looking for. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the people who are working on the vaccine have said that the combination. So basically, for like a virus, usually is either like very easy to spread, or else it's very deadly. Yeah. And so, like a lot of the viruses in the past, like 
almost, I think they said 80 years have either been kind of one or the other. So like either very easy to spread or like very deadly. And this is like one of the most actual, like the one of the deadliest combinations where it's like deadly and also extremely easy to spread. And then put that with the fact that it has like the two week period before the symptoms even show up. So that's yeah. kind of like why the, the doctors are like, yeah. I heard it was only deadly to people who have weak immune systems. Though. Yeah. Like yeah, people that's definitely who have true. Like, uh, like older people and people who have like weaker immune systems. Like you yeah. Have chronic or you have like severe asthma or like whatever the case. You yeah. Know? Um, or people, I mean, that just don't have health care could also be. Yeah, that's true. That's you know, so well, that, 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 that makes it a race problem. Yeah. But that's a whole different, you know, discussion. Economic, but. you know, that's that's a whole other thing. We ain't, we ain't got yeah. two more hours. So, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I do, I, I do think it, in all seriousness that like people should stay safe and be, be weary of like what's going on. Like check on yourself. Like yeah. we were talking about mental health last week. Check yeah. on your physical health too. Yeah. Um, I, I think as, uh, you know what I've noticed and as black people it, ourselves, like, we don't go to the doctor unless it's something yeah. serious. Yeah. Like I know very few black people that go for regular physicals yeah. that go to the doctor just because they feel some some type of cough or something like that or go to urgent care just because yeah. nine times out of ten niggas gonna drink ginger ale, Man. everyone gets some Robitussin, <laughs> everyone gets some Vicks Man. and they finna sleep it off yeah. and they think they're gonna be good, you know? Man. But this is the, what the way they painting it to be is something serious and you should probably get checked out just to make sure you're good. Like it, it could be nothing. That cough could really just be you smoking too much weed, nigga. Man. So, you know, but still. Better not be smoking no Reggie out here either. You, you know, know what I'm saying? But hey, hey, get it how you live. Yeah, yeah I, I, was, I was doing that back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you ain't know no better. You know, it's all good. I ain't going to judge you. Man. But, I mean, now you know better. But, uh, yeah, no, you know what's crazy? As I did, uh, I did see... <laughs> it was another joke. Somebody was saying that, like, did y'all think it was funny? The coronavirus started happening right after North Korea said, we got a gift for y'all. I'm dead. <laughs> Yo. I'm dead, bro. And ain't nobody heard, ain't nobody heard of no, uh, no deaths in North Korea. They yes. did. <laughs> I heard there was a, there was a, um, there was, uh, damn. damn, it's popping out there. Man. But no, they, I heard that there was, uh, there was a confirmed case of the coronavirus in North Korea, and they killed him. Yeah. He got shot dead. Damn. Yeah. And this yeah. is, like, factual, you factual? Like, this really happened? I, I heard it from a friend. I don't See? Okay. Again, Dang. this is not fact-based. We just Dang. talking shit. But I did hear that, and I got that- an- another... Another man here that, that that said he heard it too. He came from China as well, so he heard it too. So damn, if that really happened. That's fucking fucked wild, up. Man. Fucked up, bro. That's what I'm saying. Hey, don't mess with the North Koreans, man. Man, hey, we ain't, you know. But anyhow, thank you all for tuning in for another episode, another week of Henny Talks. Uh, you know, we had a real good discussion today. Me and Alex, of course, don't see eye to eye on everything. No, on but everything. it's okay. You know, it's it's okay. all good. So. As long as we got a drink in my hand, you know. Yep, yep. All right, we're going to catch y'all next week, man. See y'all then.